Welcome to Chicago Tabernacle, a place of becoming. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's Word. Please join us now as we hear a message from Pastor Toledo. You know, I'm really excited about today's message. It's a, this is a really, really important. All of the, every time you open the Word of God, it's vitally important. But today's message is so crucial to taking our walk with God from flat to full, from shallow to deep, from boring to exciting. And as we, as we kind of start walking down the tail end of this series, we're in the home stretch, there's only a few more messages. I wanna remind all of us of one of the first messages in the series, which was titled, We Need His Voice. How many know if we're gonna live out the call of God, we need the voice of God? Somebody say amen to that. And we talked about the importance of the voice of God. And when you talk about or think about the voice of God, we know that God primarily speaks to us through his word. His word is his voice. And so uh, uh, the children of God and the called of God should constantly be in the word of God. Read your Bible every day. Every day, read your Bible. I say it over and over and over again because when you read the word of God, you're talking to Jesus and Jesus is talking to you. There's this incredible interaction. The word of God, the Bible says, is living and active. It's able to pierce. It's able to speak to the deep things of your life and your soul. And so the called of God are people who live by the word of God. And we know that beyond the shadow of a doubt, we need God's word. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds forth out of the mouth of God. We literally move and live by the word of God. And so no Christian can really live the called life if they're not filling themselves consistently with the word. Now today, we're gonna be talking about the second indispensable need of the called, which will come through the title. And the title of today's message is, We Need His Oil. We Need His Oil. Now, this is a unique title. This is a unique, this is unique biblical imagery. But I want to unpack what, what we mean by we need his oil, I want you to know that we need his oil if we're gonna live out the call of God. So let's read 1 Samuel chapter 10. And in 1 Samuel chapter 10, as we go to it, last uh, time we, we uh, were uh, in this series, the last time, the last message that we spoke, we talked about how uh, Samuel's sons didn't follow his ways. And because Samuel's sons didn't follow his ways, the people of Israel said, give us a king. And God said, fine, give him a king. And God picks a king. That king's name was Saul. And what we're going to see now is the day that God calls Saul. And what we're going to see is the day when there was this encounter 
uh, uh, that Saul had this encounter with the Holy Spirit that was very important to living out the life of the call of God upon his life. So let's look here. 1 Samuel chapter 10, beginning with verse 1. This whole sermon can be preached off of one verse today, and I'm going to read it with emphasis for you. It says, Then Samuel took a flask of olive oil and poured it on Saul's head and kissed him, saying, Has not the Lord anointed you ruler over his inheritance? I want to read that one more time, and uh, uh, I want to encourage you. Listen, read chapters of the Bible, read books of the Bible more than once. Sometimes you read the Word of God, and you're like, okay, you know, read it again. Sometimes you got to take the time to read the Word of God more than once so that the Lord will speak to you by the, by the power of the Holy Spirit. He wants to speak to you. There are things will emerge. So I want to read chapter 1 again because all of the points are found right here. Then Samuel took a flask of olive oil and poured it on Saul's head and kissed him saying, has not the Lord anointed you ruler over his inheritance? Now he's explaining what God has done. It says, the spirit of the Lord will come powerfully upon you and you will prophesy with them and you will be changed into a different person. Once these signs are fulfilled, do whatever your hand finds to do for God is with you. And so this passage of scripture literally symbolizes what it takes to live out the call of God. The oil in this passage represents the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. There's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In the scriptures, oil and the Holy Spirit are synonymous Oil is used as a symbol of the Holy Spirit. And this oil represents the Holy Spirit and in particular fresh encounters where he pours himself upon us by providing power and grace so that we can live out the call of God. In other words, living out the call of God is not natural. It's supernatural. Everybody say supernatural. If you're a Christian, you're called to have encounters with the Holy Spirit so that you can, in your very natural life, live out the supernatural. So that you're still same flesh and blood, same mind, same person, and yet you move into situations and you move out of situations in such a way that the hand of God, the oil of God is upon your life. And people say, I know that there's something about them. I don't know what it is. There's something about them. And you'll say there's something about me. It's not me. It's Christ in me. The hope of glory. It's the Holy Spirit upon my life. How did you change? The Holy Spirit changed me. I had a meeting with Jesus. I was born again by the Holy Spirit and I was changed by the glory and power of God. So today, we're gonna give a very important, what I believe is a very important explanation 
about the third person, about the need for fresh encounters. Everyone say fresh encounters. I want to emphasize that because, see, some people believe that walking with God is a one-and-done encounter. Okay, I met God one day. I was born again. I became a Christian. No more encounters. That's not true. It's not biblical. It's not biblical. Uh, it wasn't part of the Old Testament. It wasn't part of the New Testament. What I'm talking about today, this issue of fresh encounters. Everybody say fresh encounters. This was the difference maker for everyone, including the Apostle Paul, who wrote half of the New Testament. So what I want to do is I want to pray and ask the Lord to help us to open our minds and our hearts and our spirits. And if you're online, please listen to me here. I want you to listen to me because if there's anything that the enemy tries to block with fear, with cynicism, okay? Some of you, you might be sitting here with your hands here, but in your spirit, you're like this, okay? A lot of times when you start talking about the Holy Spirit, people go like this. And really, that's not God. That's the enemy. There are suggestions. There are things that we've experienced in the, in the past that make us so hesitant to the gentle and yet powerful Holy Ghost. So I want to pray today. I want to pray that we would get God's best. How many want the best of God for your life and for your family, for your children and your children's children? So let me pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for this time that we could share together. And God, we've sung about the Holy Spirit, and now we're asking. We want to learn, and we want to receive. Pour your Spirit out today. God, we thank you for things that you've done in the past, but we ask today for a fresh wind, oh God. God, we, we pray for a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Not just upon us, but upon all of the churches in Chicago, in this country, in Milwaukee, in New York, in Texas, Lord God. America needs a revival, and revival comes when you pour out your spirit upon your people. So pour your spirit out, we pray, and God, begin with us. And I pray today, Lord, that you would block every attempt of the enemy to block your word. Lord, he wants to block the truth. You block him in the name of Jesus. Block seeds of fear, block seeds of cynicism, block seeds of unbelief right now in the name of Jesus. Help us to receive everything that you have for us. And God, we trust you and we believe you in the mighty name of Jesus. And all God's people said, amen, amen and amen. Hallelujah. Yes. Without the third person, without the Holy Spirit really upon your life, you just can't live out the call. You can't really do the will of God. So let me begin with this explanation. So all throughout the scriptures, the Holy Spirit is associated with oil. And for example, in the book of Zechariah chapter four, I'm not gonna put this up, but you could write it down if you wanna go look at it. 
This is one of the principal verses. In Zechariah chapter 4, there's this imagery, this symbolism of two olive trees and one lamp. And there are, there are lines connected from the olive trees to the lamp. And you see the oil is flowing into the lamp so the lamp could continually burn. And in the prophecy, he says, what does this mean? It says, here's what it means. It means it's not by human power. It's not by human might, the Lord says, but it's by my spirit. When God does things, he does it by his spirit. Living out the call of God is not by how intelligent you are. It's not by how educated you are. It's not by how strong or how clever or how creative you are. It is by his spirit. And so we need the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit upon our lives. Jesus himself used this symbolism many times in the gospel. We know that when he was baptized, he comes up out of the water and the Bible says the spirit came down upon him in the form of a dove. In Luke chapter four, he goes on to say, he walks into the temple and he says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. So even Jesus himself talked about that. Then when he talked to his disciples, he said, listen, you've been with me for three years. You've gotten the finest teaching in all of history when it comes to the kingdom of God. Amen? I mean, Jesus is the best teacher. And yet he said to them, but now that I'm going to the Father, wait, tarry in Jerusalem until you receive the promise of the Father because he's gonna pour out his spirit. John said one is coming who's gonna baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. This is all over the scriptures from start to finish, this oil coming down, this spirit of God coming down upon his people is from the, from the beginning to the end. You'll see that Samuel goes on to also anoint David with oil. Now, one of the key challenges of church history, and I believe it's present now, and every time I speak on this topic, I feel this. Every single time I speak on this topic, I feel a struggle inside of the people. Not all of the people, but some of the people. Okay, and here it is. In church history, there have always been counterfeit encounters. There's always been some counterfeit oil. Even though in the Old Testament and New Testament culture, the, the outpouring of the Spirit of God was very real and very true. But some people have been turned off to the third person of the, of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, because you saw abuses. You saw people bark like dogs. The Holy Spirit doesn't make people bark like dogs, okay? So he just doesn't do that. So dogs bark like dogs, okay? Now the people of God prophesy. The people of God say words that edify. The people of God speak words of life and power by the power of the Holy Spirit, hallelujah. God doesn't need us to bark. He does need us to prophesy. 
You see, so there's all kinds of things. You've seen things on TV. Some guys say, hold on, hold on. The Holy Spirit told me if you give $69 right now, God is gonna give you a thousandfold blessing and all this kind of nonsense. In the name of, of God, there's been a lot of counterfeit. And I wanna tell you, don't get cynical and don't get fearful Interestingly enough, in those times, I believe one of the reasons why God used the symbol of oil is because it was everywhere. Olive oil was such an important part of the life of all of the people in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. And I actually have this book. It turns out that there's an entire counterfeit industry right now for olive oil. So in the book, Extra Virginity, this is a book about extra virgin olive oil. Actually, Mike Risher got this book for me one day because he knows I'm into cooking and whatnot. So listen to this. It is estimated that nearly 80% of olive oil in the United States is fraudulent. The next time you go pick that bottle, I know it's, it, you're all jacked up now. You're gonna be like, <laughs> which one? You know what I mean? 90% of olive oil in Italy is fraudulent. 50% of olive oil in the rest of Europe is fraudulent. They actually have people like kind of uh, teams and sort of like olive oil police to make sure that they're not putting out counterfeit olive oil. But people love olive oil. Back, back in the day, people used olive oil for so many different things. And can I tell you something? We need not olive oil. We need the Holy Spirit. We need the oil of the Spirit of God in our lives. So listen, don't let the counterfeit make you cynical. Don't let the counterfeit make you closed. Don't become closed to a supernatural work of God in your life just because you've seen some excesses, just because you've seen some things that are kind of crazy. Yes, they are crazy, and there are things that are not true, but that does not discount the true move of God upon a person's life. Listen very closely. Satan would love for us to fall into a certain trap. And it's the trap of overlooking, everybody say overlooking, and underexpecting, everybody say underexpecting, underexpecting encounters with the Holy Spirit. You know how he can raise up a dead church? You know? You know how he can get people to have a boring walk with God, a flat walk with God? It's simple just get you to feel like and to think like you don't need a fresh outpouring of God upon your life. You see, some people get to the place to say, well, I know the Bible and I just overlook any encounter with God. You see it in people's worship. You know, sometimes someone comes to the church for the first time or for the first couple of months and they, and they worship, they don't know how to worship God. I remember I didn't grow up in church. I remember learning how to worship God. And even though the Bible says, clap your hands, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. You know, let, let men everywhere lift up holy hands and prayer. Even though there are all of these things that literally teach us when we first come into the kingdom, we don't know how to interact with God. 
And that's understandable if you're here and you're strange. I remember going to church and looking around. And I remember being at church and people weeping. We need a fresh wind like a fragrant God, like reaching out and tears flowing. And I'm like, whoa, these people love Jesus. I don't love them like that. Okay. But then learning and going home and lifting my hands in private. Have you lifted your hands in private to the Lord this week? He wants to meet you. He wants, to, he wants you to have a beautiful, powerful encounter with him. Something that is so wonderful just between you and him. But don't fall into the trap. You see, last week I talked about just try. Just try to pray with your family. Just try to read the Bible out loud. Just try to do the things that you're supposed to do. This week I want to give you another just. Just expect. Everybody say, I expect. Expect something from God. Expect it when you open your Bible, he wants to meet you. Expect it when you worship him, he's going to come down and visit you. Expect something from God. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength, the Bible says. That speaks of expectation. So look, if you've been serving God for all of these years and you can't even lift your hands and you haven't developed an affectionate relationship with him, I'm telling you right now, the, the enemy is trying to block something beautiful. He's trying to block something beautiful, something special, something powerful. My grandkids... You know, it's so funny. My, I have four grandkids. They're seven, five, three, one, I think. <laughs> and, um, you know, typically, um, they don't like for grandpa to hug and kiss them. In fact, tomorrow, today, this morning, just some 30 minutes ago, they brought the little one to me. And when I went to kiss him, he was like, ah! just started screaming. So a lot of said, okay. Okay, but can I tell you something? Every time I see him, I just want to hug and kiss him. Every single time I see them, I want to hug and kiss him. What do you think God wants to do for you every moment that he's with you? You see, every moment, every moment, but you need to expect. Don't allow for past abuses or hurts or pains or whatever, or even unbelief to stop you. Living out the call of God is not automatic. Over time, there have been moments in history where even great men of God almost missed this particular issue. So one of my favorite authors, his name is Andrew Murray. If, if uh, you've read spiritual books, Andrew Murray is one of my favorite godly writers. He wrote, I believe, in the 1800s. He wrote a book, Humility, that I believe should be read every year. First spiritual book I ever got was The Believer's New Prayer Life. Pastor Simla gave me that book. Totally impacted me powerfully. But listen to this. There was a moment in time in his ministry where he was preaching on a Sunday just like this. And while he was preaching, they, in another space, the youth were meeting, just like now, our youth are meeting at the, at the Becoming Center. How many want to praise God for that? We got kids meeting there right now. Hallelujah. 
And so something happened that while the adult service was going on, some, one of the leaders said to the youth, hey, anybody got to want to share a testimony? And a young, maybe 13-year-old uh, South African girl stood up and she started to, to uh, confess her sin. And she just opened up her heart and she started to weep. And when that happened, the other kids started to confess their sin. And all of a sudden, something supernatural. Everybody say supernatural. Something supernatural happened. The, the heavens opened. The Spirit of God came down. And they were weeping. And they were confessing. And they were praying and worshiping. And the meeting went way past the closing time. And when the, when the adult service was over, their service kept going. And, and so somebody finally said, hey, they're, they're still going. And Andrew Murray walked over. The great Andrew Murray. The great man of God. And, and he was like, what in the world is going on here? And he stopped and he said, see. Stop this right now. And nobody listened to him. They just kept seeking God and crying out to God because God had taken over. And then the Lord spoke to him and said, stop. Don't stand in the way of what I'm doing. I'm doing something deep and something special. Anybody can miss this highly important reality. But you need to know that this was the norm. This was the Apostle Paul's expectation. So I want to show you some verses from the book of Ephesians. The book of Ephesians is different from the other epistles. Some of the other epistles, there were corrective measures. Galatians is a correction. Colossians, there's some correction against Gnosticism. Uh, Galatians, against illegalism. The first and second Corinthians, there was a correction of some crazy things that the church was doing. But Ephesians is just the prime example of how to live for God. And in Ephesians chapter 5, here's what the Apostle Paul said. He said, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. In other words, don't give yourself to things that make you unstable and weak and, and, and lack discerning and self-control. He says, no. Instead, everyone, he said, be filled with the Spirit. Okay, this was normal Christian life. Be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Now, when you look at this passage of Scripture, there's certain things that you can't see because the New Testament was written in Greek, Old Testament was written in Hebrew. In the Greek, there are four tenses that, that there are many tenses in the Greek. Greek is a very technical language. I believe that's why the New Testament was written that way. And when you look at the term be filled, there's four key kind of facets when it comes to the tenses of what, of what be filled actually means. Number one, be filled was in the plural. So that meant that when he said be filled, it was for every Christian. It wasn't just for pastors. It wasn't just for worship leaders. It wasn't just for the head of the children's ministry. Be filled with the Spirit was for all Christians. How many know the Holy Spirit wants to fill every child of God with himself? How many, how many say amen? Say, yes, I receive it. Receive it. It's for everyone. 
It's for every single one of us. Number two, it was also in the imperative. In the imperative means that it was a command from God for every believer to be filled. It wasn't optional. Paul wasn't saying, hey, um, uh, hey, sister, hey, brother, you might think about maybe, you know, considering being filled with the Spirit. That's not the spirit of that. It was like, Jesse, be filled with the Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit. You're called of God. If you're going to live out the call of God, you need the hand of God upon your life. How many would agree we need the hand of God upon our lives? It was a command. It was a command to each and every one of us. Number three, it was in the present tense, which meant that it was more than a one time. It was be filled, was always be filled. It was in the present tense, which meant there were continual fillings of the Holy Spirit, not just one time, but many times. Not just, oh, I had a meeting with God back in 1978. You know, no. How many know he wants to meet us right here, right now? He wants to fill us with all the craziness that's happening in our country. Don't you agree that the church of Jesus Christ needs to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> Lastly, it was in the passive tense. This is, see, this is where Christianity trumps every other faith and religion. And I say that unashamedly. This is the difference. When I was looking for God, this is one of the things that made the difference. You see, in the passive means that we don't act upon God. God acts upon us. You get it? So they were in the upper room, Acts chapter 2, and they were praying and seeking God and opening up their heart. All they were doing was opening up their heart and saying, I'm hungry for you. And then a wind came in. Tongues of fire came down, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And it was not just then. It was over and over and over, five or six times, just in the book of Acts. And have you noticed that the book of Acts, it doesn't like have a, and this is the end of the story. It never says the end. It just kind of stops because then there's somebody else's story. The church of Jesus Christ continues. We are the church of Jesus Christ in the here and in the now. And if they needed the Spirit, how many know we need the Holy Spirit? Each and every one of us. And what it means is that God, as you reach out to him, he wants to act upon you. I'm going to have two quick application points. I'm almost done with this. But listen, this is, this is like really, really important. You don't have to be 20 years in God to experience the outpouring of the Spirit, to have an encounter with God. I brought today my, um, I brought my, my baseball glove. I was, I was actually realizing that my baseball glove is older than most of my staff. And um, I got this glove when I was a freshman. Still pretty good. I feel like still can really turn a double play or something like that, you know? So anyway, um, when I first got saved, I was 17 years old. I had a meeting with God on the baseball field. 
No one, I didn't go to church. I didn't have someone share the gospel. It's a long story, but just, I had this encounter with God. I started to read the Bible in secret. I still had not been to church yet. I, I didn't go to, I didn't, I was never exposed to Bible study. And, and honestly, my family thought I was kind of crazy and I was wondering if I was crazy, but I couldn't deny that I had a meeting with Jesus. So I decided that I wanted a promise from God and I didn't know how to even find promises from God. And so in a very immature, ridiculous kind of way, what I did was my number of my jersey was 41 for Tom Seaver. So what I did is I wanted a 41 promise, okay? So I looked, it took me like 45 minutes to find a 41 promise. I, did, I started to learn through that. Man, most chapters, most books of the Bible don't even have 41 chapters. I was like, this is jacked up, man. But finally, I got to Isaiah and I found Isaiah 41.10. And when I read Isaiah 41.10, it's like the heavens opened. I couldn't believe that this was in the Bible. Isaiah 41.10 basically says, do not fear, uh, do not be discouraged, for I will be with you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. That was the first time I heard from God. I've got you in the palm of my hand. And it just, it just exploded on the scene of my life. It's been one of my favorite one of my favorite promises. It was like one of, one of my first encounters with God. And so what I did is I wrote it right here. If you look here, you can't even see it because, but you could just see a little bit of the ink marks, right? But when I first wrote it in, the first time I ever witnessed, which I had no idea what I was doing, was at a tournament and I was playing first base and I, I, on my summer league team, 13 guys got drafted. Second baseman was a monster. But in this tournament, he could not catch, hit. It was like he was not even a baseball player. I mean, talk about having a terrible weekend, right? So I called him over and I said, he made another error. I don't know how many errors he made. And he made another, and I said, call him over. And I said, look at this, come over here. This is not the way to witness, by the way. I said, come over here. You see this? And I read it to him. I said, God is with you, man. I was like rebuking him, encouraging him. I don't know what kind of, what kind of, evangelism that was. I was like, the Lord is with you, man. Come on, get it together. And I, look at that, man. You see that? He's with you. And so, I, I don't know, I don't know. That's, I just did what I thought, right? About 20 minutes later, he was like, hey, come over here. Let me see your glove. And he was like this in my glove. First time I ever witnessed, it was all off. But how many know, if you seek him, if you seek him, you will find him. You'll meet him. If you just express a little bit of hunger, a little bit of expectation, I'm telling you, he will meet you right where you are. He wants to fill his people with power. Somebody say amen. In the most simple, immature way, God's eyes, they look for hunger and expectation and he'll meet you. Listen, this is the way it was. So two quick application points. Two quick application points. Number one, we need fresh encounters because encounters with the Holy Spirit bring fresh favor. 
Encounters with the Holy Spirit bring the favor of God upon your life. And they remind us of his favor. They remind us of the fact that he loves us. Notice in the passage, remember, he takes oil, he pours oil on him, and then what did he do? He kissed him. He kissed him. That kiss was a kiss from God. You know what some people here need today? You need a kiss and a hug from the Holy Spirit. I say that reverently, I say that respectfully. You need the affirmation of God. See, when you have an encounter with the Holy Spirit, there's this affirmation. The call of God is favor-based. God doesn't use people he doesn't like. He likes you. He loves you. He wants to be with you. A lot of people feel like, I know I'm saved, but I don't think God likes me. He loves you. He likes you. He wants to have a meeting with you so he can kiss you. See, what we need to understand about God's call is that God will affirm you before he assigns you. And a lot of Christians, when they think about the call of God, is he's called to preach. He's called to sing. She's called to, to, to lead this way. She's called to lead that way. But we don't understand that the first thing that God does is he affirms you. When the voice spoke from heaven and Jesus was in the water, what did he say? He said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Before he ever did one thing, there was the affirmation. This was all over the scriptures. When he called Gideon, watch this, just a few, uh, a few quick points on this. When he called Gideon, the first thing he says to Gideon is this. It says, when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And if you know your Bible, he didn't feel like a mighty warrior. But God said, that's the way I see you. That's the way. I'm not a mighty warrior. Yes, you will be a mighty warrior. When I put my hand on you, when I put my spirit on you, how many know we can become mighty warriors? We can become anything God wants us to be. To Moses, Moses said, I can't go talk to Pharaoh. He said, I will be with you. I will be with you. He told them flat out, don't worry, I will be with you. I will make sure that Pharaoh bends his neck to my will. A little bit more. In Luke chapter 1, when, when the angel approaches Mary, what's the first thing that he says to her? It says, but the angel said to Mary, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. The powerful thing about having meetings with God is that you walk out with a new confidence. You walk out with a new assurance. Because listen, when God hugs you, when God kisses you, it doesn't matter what's happening in the world around you. You are strong and steady and sure. How many would say amen? It's amazing what the Lord does. We have to expect, expect that God wants to build you up and encourage you. In other words, there's this holy affection that should be shared between us and God. Christianity is not to be lived out like this. Okay? That's not the way Christianity works. 
it's like this, it's we need a fresh wind. Pour your spirit out, oh God. Pour your spirit out. Stop coming to church and waiting for the message. Okay, come to church and say, I wanna encounter God right off the bat. When you wake up in the morning, start, enter his gates with thanksgiving, enter his courts with praise and say, I'm gonna meet God, God is gonna meet me today. How many of you wants to meet you tonight? He wants to meet you in the morning, hallelujah. Here's the last one as we, we go to close. This is one of my favorites, Acts chapter 27. Paul was shipwrecked. They, the, the boat, they're on the, on the open waters. They're about to sink. Everyone is panicking. And here's what happens. Paul says to all of the guys on this boat, they're throwing everything off the boat. They're, they're, they're worrying about their lives. Paul said, last night, an angel of God, of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve, stood beside me and said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar, okay? And God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. So look, some people think that Christianity is one and done. That's not true. This, Paul had many, many meetings. He had the Macedonian call. He had lots of meetings. The Holy Spirit prevented him, the Bible says, from going into Galatia. There was encounter after encounter after encounter. And right here, he has another encounter. He says, don't worry. I know it looks like you're all going to die, but I'm going to keep you. How many know when God says, I will keep you. He will keep you no matter what's happening in your life. When God's speaks that word of affirmation, nothing will bring you down. Nothing will bring you down when you get the word of affirmation, you see. And so notice this. He says to them, so keep your courage, men, for I have faith. Here's what happens when God affirms you, then you have a supernatural grace to affirm others. See, because you've received it, so now that you can give it. And then here's the last thing as we go to close. This is very, very important. Actually, I need to say one more thing before we go to the last point. Because I know in our church, we have people who come from a lot of different backgrounds. Some people come from very legalistic backgrounds. And here's the thing, okay? Assignment without affirmation is at worst legalism and at best morbid obedience. And I need to say this because listen, brothers and sisters, you're not supposed to serve God like, where are you going? I'm going to church. Why? Because I have to. That's not Christianity. How many know God wants to speak and I love you? He wants to bless you. He wants to meet you. He wants your heart to be overflowing with the great encounter that you've had. Now, when you have that meeting and that experience, that affirmation, here's the last point and we'll close with this. Fresh encounters bring fresh assignments. If you're called, there's a built-in assignment with every call. Paul, don't be afraid. Why, God? Why shouldn't I be afraid when it looks like we're all going to die? Here's why. I have decided before the foundations of the earth that you're going to testify 
uh, for me before Caesar. And guess what? You will make that appointment. When you are called, when God, when you have these encounters with God, there's a fresh sense of the direction of God over your life. There's a fresh sense of the guidance of God. All of a sudden, your life goes from average to way above, over the top, amazing. Even though there's regular stuff every day, there's something supernatural when you live the life of the called. What did he say to Saul? Remember, pours oil, kisses him, and he says, have I not anointed you to be the ruler? That's the assignment. Here's my question. What's your assignment? Do you know? Have you heard? Are you operating with at least a little sense of, yeah, I'm called to connect with the body. I'm called to do this. I'm called to do that. I'm called to lead my family. I don't just try to lead my family. I'm leading my family as a man of God because I know I'm called to lead this family. I know that and for me and my house, we are called to serve the Lord. Somebody say amen. There's a call. There's an assignment he wants to put on our lives. Yes, there's a responsibility. There's a, an assignment for every believer, and it changes as time goes on. So look, I mentioned Mike Risher. Actually, he's in the service here with his kids. I want to just use him as an example. Mike Risher is one of our deacons. I could, use, I could use, you know, a few hundred people, more than a few hundred people, but I was just thinking about him. And here's why. So Mike Risher works in finance. He lives about 45 minutes away. The Lord only knows how many miles he and Ann put on their car just to come to our church. I met him almost 20 years ago. We ended up on a, going on a trip to Cuba together. We had a great time. He bossed me around the whole weekend. Hey, do this, do that. And, I, and he'll testify, I did exactly what he told me to do. So he bossed me around the whole weekend. We became friends. He started to come to church. And then all of a sudden, the Lord started to call him here. Okay, now there's nothing wrong with where he was there. But his life was um, very simple. Lived in the suburbs with, with people, nothing but the suburbs. That whole picture of the life was that. And then he comes here. He's dealing and he's rubbing with people from all walks of life, different cultures. He's having meetings with God, he and his wife. God is moving upon them and setting them on fire. And they're serving here and praying there and serving here. I'm telling you right now, these people help as many people in our church as anybody always serving. And here's his mission. Here's Mike and Ann's mission, okay? They want to fan into flame all generations. They want to encourage, call out, and support the call of God on people's lives. They have a mission. They've had a meeting with God. They've had encounters with God. They could have just stayed in the suburbs. Nothing wrong with the suburbs. But they could have stayed there. They could have just lived in their very comfortable circle, but God said, I want to push you out of the comfort zone. 
I want to I have you talk to people that you really didn't talk to when you were growing up. I want you to become friends with people that, that you didn't really uh, have friendships with growing up. But I'm going to use you for my glory. And I'm telling you, they've prayed, they've counseled, they've visited, they've supported, they've done all of these things. Then, little unbeknownst to him, one day when they were here, we had somebody pray and we handed the mic to his daughter. His daughter prayed. And when she prayed, I was like, oh, snap. I was like, who is that? Oh, that's my Christian's daughter. I was like, somebody, we got to find out. We, we got we to gotta, we gotta find out who this kid is. Today, she runs our marketing department. Today, she's one of the leaders. She's putting on all of this. She's putting on all that. When you answer the call of God, there's an assignment. And when you walk in that assignment, things start to move and unfold for you and your whole family. Don't miss the call of God. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. It's powerful. Where does it start? It starts with a fresh wind blowing on your life. It starts as simple as somebody opening up their heart and saying, Lord, I just want you. And God, I want you to put your hand upon my life. Anybody here, you want the hand of the Lord upon your life? You're ready to say yes. Come on, let's stand to our feet. I'm telling you right now, for those of you that are at home, God will meet you right in your house. God will meet you uh, 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 in the office. God will meet you in the park. Maybe you're watching this from a patio or yard. Whenever God's people reach out and say, Lord, here I am, send me. I'm telling you right now, he comes down in power. So let's lift our hands today. Let's ask for a fresh wind of God to be poured out upon our lives. It doesn't matter what your past is. It doesn't matter whether you made mistakes or not. I'm telling you right now, he calls people from all walks of life, from every place. Hallelujah. All we need to do is get hungry for the spirit of the living God.